It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Hope you're having a great Thursday, just after 5 o'clock, time for Not My Beat. Today's top story, from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Beat. Brad Spielberger. From Pro Football Focus, Brad, what's up, man? Appreciate the time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So you wrote a pretty in-depth article last week about the GM candidates league-wide. And obviously, we all expect Washington to have an opening. Um, and that this is the first time, I feel like, in the last 30 years that they've had like a really good opening that someone's going to really want to take. Like The top candidates are going to be... You know, maybe maybe when Dan Snyder first bought the team and people didn't realize how horrible he was, they could have attracted a top candidate. But certainly they have not been in the mix for the league's best and brightest on a coaching or a uh, certainly a, a front office front for a long time. So I also think that the structure becomes an interesting question as Rivera's kind of had this coach centric. Uh, he's actually the president of football operations, uh, you know, in terms of the hierarchy. So before we even get into the candidates, like format wise what's working in the league right now in terms of power structures and, and why do you think those are, that's the case first i would say in, in preparing this i'm talking to some people that are you know involved to a degree in these decisions or or prospective candidates and yes it is some people said that it might be the most attractive opening of any this offseason and yeah you have not heard that about washington uh in, in a very long time so you know, different structures work for different clubs. Like there definitely is not a one size fits all. But I think when you do, you know, look at some of the top organizations, your Philadelphia's, your San Francisco's, Baltimore, Cleveland, people people wouldn't put in that bucket because they obviously haven't had a ton of on-field success. But, you know, I can tell you the league views them as an incubator for up-and-coming talent. There's a reason why, you know, a guy like Equesio de Fomenza becomes a GM elsewhere, even off a year they missed the playoffs. Like, you know, Glenn Cook is a top candidate, a guy there now is assistant GM, Catherine Raish, et cetera. So, anyway, you know, I think that the, the key is you're bringing in and competing in the market for smart people that view the league and view the sport in different ways. You know, whether it's college scouting, pro scouting, quote unquote analytics, um, football administration, which is salary cap contracts. It's really just about now understanding we're not going to be the MLB and have 60 person staffs that are doing, you know, data science and research and, and whatnot. But just finding edge cases, uncovering more stones and doing as much as possible to compete in those marketplaces. Um, that's what the top teams are doing. I think that's interesting because you say they're not going to have 60 person staffs. Josh Harris might be like, actually, we are. He, he's certainly the kind of guy that would do it. Um, but I, I think larger you touch on that. There's so many different places that a GM could come from. They could have a football administration, a data science, a scouting background. Traditionally, they've been scouts. Uh, but as more technology and more information becomes available, obviously, that has changed over the last decade in the league does it seem to matter uh where someone starts or as long as you put together a good group that checks all those boxes somewhere underneath you it it works that's the thing and so i think that you know the, the maybe the complaint at times with the top scout quote unquote general manager is 
is that guy going to be the best leader of an organization, right? Where you not saying they can't be, but you go from you're on the road, grinding the pavement, scouting, going to college games, going to campuses, doing all of those things to then, hey, you're now the CEO of a of a big company, right? Like that's really what you are. You're having conversations about, hey, you know, we have a new practice facility. We're trying to break ground on in construction. We're doing this, that, the other. You're dealing with legal matters. You're dealing with things that never crossed your mind when you were, you know, just a scout or a personnel, you know, person. So that's the big thing is I think that those guys still are certainly capable of doing that. But there are these ecosystems within teams where you have football operations people that are solely there to run that portion of the business and allow other people to stay in their silo and focus on their subject matter expertise. So no background's necessary. I think it just comes with the understanding of, like, for example, there are some candidates that are pure football people, quote unquote, who've now been given more responsibility in managing people beneath them and managing different departments, understanding different nuances of how to run a building. Because without that experience, there are, you know, teams are worried they're going to be overwhelmed by the other responsibilities that come with that top job. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, again, talking about the potential GM job in Washington or the future GM job in Washington. Um, seeing how Josh Harris has set up, I don't know how much you pay attention to either the NHL or the NBA, but I think we all at the very least you know, paid attention enough, uh, took a peek at what he'd done with the Sixers and the Devils when he bought the Commanders. Like, Is there anything that you take from what he's done there that you think would inform any prediction you would make about what he would do here? Yeah, I mean, I think he's not going to be complacent and is not going to, you know, kind of follow a traditional method and traditional path. He's going to explore if there are inefficiencies within the NFL and that could be exploited or there are just different ways of doing things. Um, I don't know when he bought the Devils, but like Lou Lamorello, who's one of the greater executives in, in NHL history, like has a, a has talked a bunch about the different things he would do to uncover talent in different countries and send people different places. So, yeah, I, I do follow the other sports as well. Uh, you know, NBA, obviously, we all know about Sam Hankey and, you know, uh, trust the process and all of those things. And of course, now Daryl Morey with that background as a quote unquote analytics guy. And again, I think it is it comes back to the core of you need to know football, understand football and identify football talent. This is a player driven league and a player driven sport. But how you get from point A to point B can be different. Um, and then also just how you actually manage those assets and, and allocate your resources, I think, is the biggest issue in Washington. They actually, I think, have been underratedly pretty good at scouting college players over the last 10, 15 years. It's just, you know, then you're waiting too long to pay those guys, so you pay, too, you, pay you know, higher than you needed to, or... You know, you're you're putting all your resources, you know, four straight first round picks in one positional unit like things of that nature are, are the bigger issue. I actually think they've been fine in just the actual scouting on a player to player basis. Yeah. Or asking a guy to do 17 jobs at once at linebacker when uh, perhaps he wasn't even a first round pick in the first place. Whoops. Sorry, I said that one out loud. Uh, Brad Spielberger with us, um, by the way, um, just because you mentioned some of their recent draft success and there is actually one guy that's not on your list um, that I would be curious about. Um, what do you think of Kyle Smith in Atlanta? Because he was here for a long time. And, and I happen to think when he left that they should have just elevated him to GM instead of hiring Mayhew. And I think that was a very brief discussion um, at, at some point. Um, but it was kind of like, no, nah, he's too young. 
Um, they've obviously drafted some tremendous players down there. Um, they're in a weird spot with the quarterback situation, but is, is Kyle someone you consider putting in that article? Good point. And I can tell you a lot of people agree with you and thought that's probably what should have happened in Washington. Um, you know, he's probably maybe needs to build up a little bit more groundswell and have a couple more years of success. But I do expect him to be at the forefront of those conversations at some point. I'd be honest, I don't know a ton about him, you know, outside of just like you said, we've seen uh, the track record of success in identifying talent. Probably should be a name that should be more on my radar because, yeah, I, I have heard good things about him in the past. Um, and I do think he will, like you said. Quarterback's tough in Atlanta, but they had a pretty good offseason otherwise. They've drafted some some quality players over the last couple of years. And of course, he you know, he plays a hand in doing so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was always impressed with him when he was here, and I definitely think he'll be you know, it's funny because his dad obviously was a GM in the league, and there's always the nepotism thing, and it's like, no, I've talked to the guy, he's he's pretty he's pretty sharp. All right. Um, speaking of guys who are pretty sharp, they seem to have about 78 of them in Philadelphia's front office. Obviously, Howie Roseman runs the show there. But you've got multiple names from Philadelphia on your list. If you could pick one of them to be your GM, uh, whether it's in Washington or somewhere else, is there one that you think stands above the rest? A good question, too. And the crazy thing is they also had four different people become assistant GMs in other buildings in one offseason. Uh, you know, you mentioned, I think maybe it's pre-show about how, you know, stealing someone from Philadelphia could be great for Washington, like Brandon yeah. Brown, who's now the Giants assistant GM, you know, who was in Philadelphia. So, you know, it's interesting. The people left there now, I think, do skew more of that, you know, data, football administration or analytics, so to speak. I do think Alec Hallaby, um, who's now an assistant general manager, um, you know, who has kind of spearheaded their, their data and research and strategy department, will be a general manager at some point in, in the near future. I don't know if it's this cycle. Um, you know, just first year as an assistant GM. I think you do hear some things about it in Philadelphia maybe a lack of delegation because Howie has his hands in everything. And so mm -hmm. I think that's why you see people maybe go to other buildings to be assistant GMs, get more responsibility, more power, and kind of just learn the nuances of what that looks like. So anyway, I think Alec will be a general manager. I think an interesting name, particularly here as it relates to the commanders and a Josh Harris. So Jake Rosenberg is the number two football administration person beneath Howie Roseman because, you know, he has a cat background. So Jake, really, Jake is the number one cap guy in Philly, but you can't be when your GM is Howie Roseman. So he's a guy that I think you could, if you wanted to do like a Paul D. Podesta in Cleveland, not that he's an analytics guy, but if you wanted to have a president of football operations, here's a good comp, like a Rob Brzezinski in Minnesota, who runs a ton of, you know, all of the salary cap and contract, but also the day-to-day -day in the building and various different elements of just running the company, so to speak. I think how, Rosenberg's an interesting name because I wonder if he feels like there's kind of a cap on what he can do in Philadelphia. Maybe he, he probably wants to be a GM, but maybe is open to, hey, go the president route, run a building from a different standpoint, from a business standpoint, and maybe you can always pivot back, kind of like an Omar Khan in Pittsburgh, um, who now obviously is the general manager. Yeah, um, there's so much interesting stuff there. Um, and, and it actually also sparked something that I was thinking about the other day. We were talking about some of the, the folks out in San Francisco. And I said uh, to my producer when we were having this discussion off the air was, I don't I, like San Francisco is a little less intriguing to me than, say, a Philadelphia 
because I think Kyle is so smart and he's the most important person in the building that he can make, like, obviously they've done a tremendous job. This is not to take away. You can only do the job that's in front of you, but Kyle Shanahan can make you right on a lot of stuff. And Kyle knows exactly what he wants because he's so detail oriented. So as you think about like how he having his hands and everything in Philadelphia or the way Kyle operates in San Francisco, I'm curious if that plays into your evaluation of these candidates and why I say, you know, like Cleveland, you you mentioned, doesn't necessarily make sense on paper. And obviously they gave Deshaun Watson the worst contract in the league, but I'm guessing the ownership has something to say about that. Um, so like as you evaluate the different front offices, how do some of the biggest impact players, Howie Roseman and Kyle Shanahan, impact those evaluations? It's a great question. It's probably the hardest part of trying to do this is, you know, actually trying to not isolate who gets credit because everything usually is a group decision, but just, yeah, like kind of differentiate who is in charge of certain elements or certain components of what you're doing. Um, or even if you don't want to do that, but just say like, is this a person that is viewed as someone who could be the top dog and run a building or are they kind of better served as a Lieutenant um, working underneath a powerful top guy? So that comes from conversations and just talking to people and, and hearing the perception of people around the league. Um, I think the thing with Philly, as much as I, I have heard, like yeah, how he is so involved and so on top of everything, but they also like Andrew Berry, for example, who's now the Browns general manager, like he was just working in business. Like he wasn't really involved in football, but they want to be a place where they just bring smart people in and just coach them up in the business of football, but, but still use their foundation and, and, and leverage their you know, their, their kind of core understanding of, of just business um, and then apply it to this game. So it kind of goes both ways. Like you also want to see people who worked underneath people. You mentioned Kyle Shanahan. You know, I've heard Parag Marate in, in San Francisco is as good as it gets in terms of just running, you know, like Jed York's entire operation. So you also kind of want to see people that, that work with those guys. You know, Adam Peters is the big hot name in, in San Fran right now. But yeah, it is a challenge of... Are they just kind of, you know, along for the ride? Probably a little bit, you know, too harsh in saying that. Or are they a difference maker in their own right that could bring some principles along with them? Yeah, it's the toughest part about trying to figure these things out. Well, right, because I would say if I've worked with Kyle, I could, I would pitch to another, like, look, Kyle knows exactly what he wants. I went and found it. And, like, if you can, yeah, if we can get yeah. a coach in here who has that clarity, I can make sure that I go find the thing that he wants, and that's ultimately – um, where it all comes together, which brings us to the next part of the conversation. Brad Spielberger with us from Pro Football Focus. And in your article, you paired, uh, it wasn't always pairs, but you at least mentioned a couple of names as potential head coach candidates uh, with all of these front office folks. And it wasn't just like, oh, I think this guy and this guy would be best friends. It was like, hey, they work together here at this time. There's familiarity. Um, like the the head coaching side of it and the GM relationship how important is that? And and I guess, obviously, very important. That's a silly question. The, the better question is like, what makes that work versus often people know each other, work together, and then it doesn't work out? It's a great point. And I will say, like, for better or for worse, I think you probably could argue maybe it's not the best thing. But if you're not, not paired, like they're like these auto pairings and their group, their joint, you know, they kind of are in some instances, but anyway, like there's not always like, Hey, this GM and this head coach are a, are a package deal and they're going to come together. Um, you know, that does happen. And, but if not still, you need to have these connections to people and have a coach that knows, Hey, this guy's sharp. He, I can work with him. I think when you talk to guys that are, that view themselves as potential general managers and, and the head coaches, they'd like to work with a lot of them are open to, Hey, the coach may have final say on, 
the direction we're going to go, the type of player and kind of player we're going to go after, and even in some instances, the specific target. But I want to be able to push back and say, okay, that's fine. Like you are steering the ship. It's your team. But then I want the trust of here's where we think his value is at. You know, we can deviate a little bit. Like we're not going to have a hard and fast, you know, rule. But I, I want to be able to also have the power of we're doing this together. You are steering the ship. But I am able to at times say, you know what? That doesn't work with un- with the construct of what we're trying to do here. There are other responsibilities and other budgetary concerns that make that not tenable, and the coach has to be open to that. So it has to be a very, very good relationship. Like you said, not best friends, but super collaborative, and I think just open to like disagreeing but, but being able to disagree, right? Where like, you're going to disagree a ton. Can you navigate it? Can you work through it? Can there not be – you always hear this, like – when you start to hear, oh, this is a GM's guy or this is the coach's guy, like about a player, I, I multiple guys told me like that's the beginning of the end. Like as soon as you hear that in the building, it's like those guys are getting fired in a couple of years because it's just like it can't be viewed that way. Every single person is is our guy and, and is all, you know, even if someone stood on the table for him more than, than the, the other. Um, so, yeah, it's just got to be a good level of trust and, 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 you know, just appreciation for what each person does even if you understand as a GM, the coach might be steering the ship. Yeah, uh, that just gave me just tremendous flashbacks to being on the beat and hearing about Jay Gruden, Bruce Allen disagreements on players. Lots of Jays guys. Uh, lots of lots of oh, the GM loved him, and often they weren't even that good of players. Uh, but that's a, that's a different story. Uh, so you mentioned Eric Bieniemy quite a quite a number of times in this piece as a potential head coach pairing for a number of GMs, whether it be here or elsewhere, what, like, is Biennemi's, like, where is Biennemi's stock around the league as a potential head coach candidate after this season working with Sam Howell away from Mahomes and Reed, et cetera? I think he's boosted it to a degree. You know, I think people wanted to see, can he run an offense by himself? Um, You know, and he's done that. And look, is the offense perfect? No, but it's an unproven fifth round pick quarterback that played one game last year. And there's been a lot of good there. You know, the, obviously the sack issues, we, you know, we can talk about Sam Howell in a different light, but I think there's been good, you know, like the route combinations have led to a lot of successful downfield passing. There's good spacing in this offense, you know, sure. You could say maybe you'd like to run the ball a little bit more and, and the balance isn't there. But the funny thing is like the enemy is a running backs coach at his core. Um, and I think probably would agree with you, but Probably in his, you know, the defense is going to get up 30 points a game, so we need to score a lot. Or, you know, like I'm not making excuses for him, but I don't think people would view that split and say that he's, he's going to refuse to, you know, kind of go against that split and have a more balanced attack. If anything, he probably wants to, but just feels like he can't. So I think, it, I think it's gone up this year. I do. Um, you know, and I think he's been able to work around some deficiencies on the offensive line. They do have good pass catchers and maybe we'd want to see more production from a Terry McLaurin from a Jahan Dotson, but you're also getting a lot more out of guys like a, you know, a Byron Pringle and a Jamison Crowder Curtis Samuels popped off at times. Like there's been a lot of positive, I think to take from, you know, for a first year with a fifth round sophomore quarterback, I would imagine his stock has increased a little bit um, underneath the shadow or no longer underneath the shadow, you know, of an Andy Reid. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see this offseason. I, I tend to think here they should just clean house and start over, but that doesn't mean that Eric shouldn't get a, a really great job somewhere else. Or if I was a, a head coach, I wouldn't want him as the OC, or I wouldn't interview him necessarily as an owner for a, a head coaching job. Um, last but not least, uh, to kind of wrap up this conversation where we started, you mentioned Washington might be one of the best jobs on the market because of 
Josh Harris, new owner who probably doesn't have new owner syndrome in the way some other new owners do because he actually owns other teams um, and a litany of other factors. Um, but I want to ask you about the roster. Like, is the roster seen as a is a positive here? Um, or is it just the fact that you could easily remake it with the cap space and, and the draft picks? Because I think that's been a large topic of conversation on our shows the last couple of weeks is I actually think the pendulum swung too far that people think this roster is terrible. And I'm like, no, it's poorly coached. There's actually talent here. So what does the league say about that? Yeah, I, I think it is both. I think there are foundational building block pieces. The interior defenders, of course. I mentioned the two receivers. Um, you, you know, you, you want more on the offensive line, but you have a bunch of, you know, five top 100 draft picks now. Um, Howell has at least done enough to, uh, you know, you could go into 2024 with him as the starter. Maybe he doesn't become the long-term guy, but you know you have an, an option, you know, a guy that can play quarterback in the NFL. Um, you're not like in Atlanta where it's like, okay, we know we don't have a guy. We need to figure that out. And then, right. yeah, the resources are are plentiful. I mean, they basically didn't spend the last two years um, in free agency at all. Um, and, you know, obviously extended internal guys but aren't paying a ton of people. So I think it's both. There are There is young talent you can build around, and you actually have the resources to do so. And the owner thing is important too. Like, and the owner syndrome is a great point. Like, David Tepper in Carolina is is doing David Tepper things in Carolina. Like, yikes. yeah, like you, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I yeah. just said, yeah, yikes. That's that, there's no. I have no additional uh, analysis here. Just full on <laughs> yikes, bro. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think there is a is, is a belief that Harris is going to be hands on when at appropriate times, but hands off when necessary, and let the football people do the football things. And that is, by the way, people always ask me like. As a prospective GM or head coach, what do they care about the most? Is it cap space or talent on the roster or the quarterback? It's literally like, what owner am I working for and how much is he going to meddle in what I'm doing? That is the number one answer 90% of the time. Yeah, and the second thing is how much is he going to pay me? And Josh Harris will pay people and leave them alone, and that is an amazing boss to work for. Uh, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. This was great, man. Let's definitely have you back uh, sooner rather than later. Much appreciate the time. Great work on, on all your stuff at PFF's site. Read them at pff.com. Uh, Brad, thank you, sir, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. This is the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, James Smith-Williams of the Commanders will join us, and Mark Schlereth will join us as well. So we are loaded up, but it is time now for our NFL tier rankings. Uh, we do this 5.30 on Thursdays. Anthony, are you ready? Greg, I've been waiting two weeks. I've been waiting patiently. I think I've been looking forward to this day all week long, and it's finally here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it too, but then I had a horrible realization. I think when we get to the end of this, we're mm -hmm. going to have to do something unfortunate. Oh, I already know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, so Anthony and I, we haven't, we haven't exchanged notes, <laughs> but it seems like we're on the same page. If yep. you can't figure it out, then, well, even if you can't, you stay tuned. But especially if you can't figure it out, Stay tuned. But we start at the top of the league with our prime contender. So the definition of prime contender in our tier rankings, and again, if you're new to this, we have prime contenders, puncher's chance, interesting but not quite good enough, and no chance. Uh, so prime contender means we would not be surprised if this team wound up in the Super Bowl. And as of two weeks ago, 
Uh, we have the Miami Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, Baltimore Ravens, and Dallas Cowboys in prime contenders. Anthony, any changes in your opinion needed to anybody in that group? Uh, no. Okay, then. I'm not moving any of those guys. I think they're all legit prime contenders. Uh, the, the Cowboys still give me... You know, a little uh, caution just because they haven't beaten any team with a, an above 500 record this season. Uh, so the jury's sort of kind of still out for them, but they have dominated a lot of those they teams. Crushed yeah, they crushed a lot of other teams. Yeah, so I, I think that's more reason to like leave them there. But I'm looking forward to them. You know, facing the 49ers, the the Cowboys. Because it's not like they've gotten crushed. I mean, the 49ers did a number on them, but like they played the Eagles tough. They were right there at the end. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, they should have won the game. For sure. They should have won it. And so, so, like, would it surprise you if it's Eagles-Cowboys-NFC Championship game and the Cowboys won? Like, it's not who I would pick. Yeah. But it wouldn't be like, wow, how could that happen? <laughs> like, they're good. Yeah. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Boat race the Mandos last week. Um, and by the way, speaking of, te- of a team that we expect to possibly boat race the old Mandos, uh, the Dolphins, you could kind of say the same thing about. To an extent, yeah. Like, what's what's the Dolphins' best win this year? Uh, yeah, they haven't really beaten any good teams, to be honest. Um, the Dolphins. I don't think they really have all that good of a win, to be honest. Like, I mean, their best win is probably over Denver, who they beat seventy to twenty because they scored seventy. Yeah, but, but they, they called Denver at a good time. They did. It's not like they beat this version of Denver. Yeah. I mean, Buffalo trounced them pretty good. That was when Buffalo was at the absolute peak of its powers, and they've obviously had struggled since then, in part because they had a bunch of injuries. Um, but they lost at Philly. They lost at Kansas City. I mean, is Las Vegas their best win? They put 34 on the Jets. Like, that's impressive because the Jets' defense is good. But, like, yeah. they just don't have a t- – you know, they beat L.A. week one at L.A. Like, that's a decent win, and Tua went nuts. He had 466 in the game. Like, I – you could say the same thing about my like Miami and Dallas are very similar. They're yeah, high-powered they offenses. Yep. They're I think Dallas's defense is frankly better. Um, I think Miami's any. offense is better, but Dallas's defense is better. And their strength of schedule isn't very good. Yeah. They've lost to the teams that are better, although at times often in competitive games, and they've absolutely demolished the weaker talent uh or the weaker teams on their schedule. Yeah. So right. there's that. Yeah. Then you have the Eagles who just find ways to win. Have that you is seen what they do? The gauntlet of their schedule? It's crazy what they have. <laughs> they they're three and zero right now. <laughs> they have three more games, which is even crazier. <laughs> Meanwhile, Baltimore, um, you know, they are figuring it out. So, like, I think a couple weeks ago when they lost to the Browns, we were like, "Oh God, are we gonna have to take them out?" But they bounced back. Really nice win over the Bengals. Obviously, Bert no Burrow. Uh, they beat the Chargers and hold them to 10 points last week. Yeah, but it's just something about their offense still. Like the defense, the defense is drawing parallels to the 2000s defense, which is crazy. And guess That's, what? They have no. the numbers sort of kind of to, to back it up. No, I'm they not, don't. Yeah, they do. There is no freaking way. I'm, <laughs> Dude, look, okay, hold on. Go, hold on. Go ahead, Craig. 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Go ahead, Craig. Defense. And then Versus look at 2023 Baltimore Ravens. They've been drawn. Has someone already done this graphic for me? It's really possibly on Twitter. You know, Twitter's undefeated. 
the internet is on your feet. I, the, for whatever reason, the uh, the first the first uh, uh, thing that comes up is this blog post from Baltimore Beatdown, and the headline is the Ravens defense is quote a bunch of a holes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Which is hilarious. Um, they have allowed. Let's see. There's a stat somewhere in here that references it. Uh, the 2023 Ravens defense is being compared to the 2000 unit that led the league in points allowed, uh, 10.3 run defense, 60 yards allowed and takeaways this year's run. This year's Ravens defense is allowing 13.8 points per game, 91 rushing yards and 13 takeaways. I mean, that's those numbers aren't even close. Like it's very good. Like those are league best numbers, but like, don't be disrespectful to how good that 2000 team was. Yeah. They allowed 10 points a game. 60 rush yards a game. And they had 49 takeaways in 16 games. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> that's asinine. Yeah. That's like that I did the the commanders have 49 takeaways in the entire time Del Rio was here. Probably I'm not, not even being facetious. Probably not. Gross. Uh yeah, Chiefs obviously stay where they're at, and especially if their offense woke up in the second half last week. Uh Niners have looked incredible since the bye. All right, that brings us to Puncher's chance. We had the Bengals in here. They obviously need to go. Uh, Burrow injury happened since the last time we did this. The question is, Anthony, are they still qualified for interesting but not quite good enough, or are they all the way down already to no chance? I think we can put them in interesting but quite not good enough. They've lost three in a row. Or Sorry, no, they've lost two in a row. Yeah, they lost to the Steelers last week and then the week before that. No, sorry, looking at the wrong end of the schedule. They lost three in a row. Oh. Um, they lost to the Texans. They lost to the Ravens. They've lost to the Steelers. Um, they are five and six, so, like, they're kind of in the mix from that, just a sheer record perspective. But, I mean, I, I don't. Mm. I, I mean, they barely lost to the Steelers. Like, we can put them in interesting for now. We'll give them we'll give them the 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 benefit of the doubt. Jake Browning doesn't look that bad. Okay. Um the Lions were ready to go into prime contenders and then they foobarred Thanksgiving. Yeah, that was bad. That was a bad loss. Uh the Bills, are they still in puncher's chance? <sighs> I kind of think with Allen they are. I yeah, mean they I, they just gave the Eagles the best game the Eagles have had in a while. Yeah, but the, the Bills just can't get the job done, though, Craig. Literally. But that's the thing. Puncher's chance. If they land the knockout. I mean, I guess I, I guess we can leave him there just because Josh Allen does seem to seem to have found something, you know, get that offense going. I'm going to say if they lose this weekend, I don't even know who they're playing, but if they lose this weekend, we knock them down. All right, bet. Uh, Browns, do they still have a puncher's chance with all their quarterback issues? Joe Flacco starting for them this week. <sighs> And Miles Garrett is a little banged up. And they know. just lost. Like, they, the, the dominance of early season that gave them a chance, I think, is gone. Yeah. All right. So, I'm moving Browns down. Interesting, but not quite good enough. And the Texans, I still think. I'm leaving them and, there. And the Jags. They played. Those two teams played a great game this past weekend. I think they're fairly equal, and they belong in that, that next category. Yes, sir. The puncher's chance. Which leads us to interesting but not quite good enough where I think we are going to take a number of teams, potentially including the home team, and downgrade them. 
Uh, but has anyone been able to... We've had some teams graduate out of no chance. Is there anybody that can move back up into the interesting category? The back half of our power rankings next on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, streaming live on YouTube and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. James Smith-Williams, Commander's Defensive End, joins us coming up at the top of the hour. Then Mark Schlereth drops some knowledge on us at 6.15. A little special sneak sneak peek of Take Command that will be dropping tomorrow. Okay, uh, we are on the back half, though, of our NFL power rankings. We've gotten through, well, kind of. We've gotten through the incumbents, if you will, of our prime contenders and our punchers chance. So prime contenders, Dolphins, Niners, Chiefs, Eagles, Ravens, Cowboys, punchers chance so far, Lions, Bills, Jags, Texans. So, Anthony, we dip into the interesting but not quite good enough group previously is there anybody here that needs to be moved up to puncher's chance? I can't believe I'm saying this, but like Denver is on fire. They are playing so well. Like to the point that I'm like, I don't know. I guess they could win a playoff game. Is there anybody else in this list, uh, though, that that perhaps is is more deserving? Anybody that we need to watch out for? Uh, we got to put Pitch, Pittsburgh up there. You think uh, Pittsburgh has graduated to puncher's chance? I think so. Uh, what are they? Seven in. They're seven and four. Seven and four. Their offense, offense showed signs of life last week. Over four hundred yards for the first time, and Lord knows when. Yeah. Finally, they can push the ball down the field. They can lean on Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. I. I They've also got a good. soft schedule coming up yeah they have. the next two weeks they have the cardinals and the patriots there and then go. they got the colts coming up on the 16th there you go then and and to be honest in the afc as competitive as it is they're probably only going to need nine ten wins to really get into the playoffs they're definitely going to be in the playoffs and at that point if they could put together some you know nasty pittsburgh game i mean my I thing guess is they could they could win a playoff game I still think their defense is going to define them, and they're still missing Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't know when he'll be back, but early yeah. in the season they were able to, you know, get up more turnovers. I'm not. I'm. I'm reluctantly with this. Yeah, reluctantly. I, I think I gotta go with. I, I think they're because. And the thing is, Craig, we keep on like overlooking them. That's the thing, though. They continue because, to win like, games. Are they actually good? I mean, but they'll be in the playoffs, and that's really all it takes, to be honest. Their defense is good. Offense their still defense, takes— That's the thing is, their defense, if they get Minka back and he becomes playmaker Minka, is nasty. Yeah. And at that point, even though it's Kenny Pickett, even though it's this offense, like, I I guess they got to be up there. I think they're going to raise their level of play come the playoffs. They, get Cam, they got Cam Hayward back. T.J. Watt is still doing what he does best. I think this could be a scary team just because of just like their championship pedigree. Mike Tomlin as the coach, they could be scary if, you, if you're facing them in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would never want to face Pittsburgh because I just you know they're going to be well prepared, etc. 
Um, okay. The Seahawks were a team that I think we would consider a couple weeks ago, but with Geno's injury and everything, no. None of the NFC South teams. The Chargers continue to charger themselves. Yep. Uh, so they're a no. The Jets, you know, this Rodgers thing's crazy, but it seems like they're probably going to be too far out of it. What about your boys in Indy? My thing is, if it ain't one thing, it's another. Yes. Jonathan Taylor getting injuring his hand. Kill um, that That is a killer. He's going to miss two to three weeks. And it's just like, just when things were looking out for those guys, you know, they're leaning on the run game and things of that nature. They've won three in a row. He goes down. But I mean, it's going to be hard to continue because no JT. Exactly. You don't want to just kill Zach Maul, just continue to give him the ball. Like, it's a long season. And then also – I want to trust Gardner Minshew. I just can't. I just can't. I, it, it's something about him and the way his care, he can be careless at times with the football. So I need to see a little bit more out on uh, Gardner Minshew. So give me two weeks, and then we'll talk about the Colts. All right. What about Denver? I think Denver stays where they are. Ooh, and they have. What? No. You, you think they stay in this bracket, Craig? Thing is, we're about to move some teams out of this bracket. Okay. So, I think, like, does Denver belong with the Lions, the Bills? I mean, maybe. The Bills have the same record as Denver. Maybe they do belong in puncher's chance. I mean, just looking at the the heater that they're on, they but beat like, the Chiefs. They have the Texans, Chargers, and Lions next. They do have a tough road ahead. but at They the go 2-1 and one in that stretch? Sure. I mean, but who, who thought they were going to beat the Chiefs? Who thought they were going to beat the Bills? Look, I would say who this. Who thought they were going to knock off the Vikings that were hot? Here's what I would say. If the the tier above them is Lions, Bills, Jags, Texans, Steelers, then the Broncos, based off their five-game winning streak, probably belong in that tier. It's not great that the NFL's second tier of contenders includes these teams. It's like, oh, I almost feel like the Lions belong in their own tier. Mm-hmm. And then, like, everybody, maybe the Jags belong in that tier and then like everyone else is below we need like we need to do a different thing but that's the nature of it as it gets later in the year that like you're gonna have more teams that are at the very top or the very bottom yep and you're just not gonna have a lot of wild card i don't know maybe type of teams so in an effort to to try to be consistent if you vote broncos up i will put the broncos up i say let's give it one more week they got the texans on there their uh, schedule this weekend. This is their measuring stick game. They they've shown us some strides. They they went in there. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills. They they destroyed the Browns defense. You go out there. You beat CJ CJ Stroud and company. I'm with moving the Broncos up, baby. I agree with that. Okay. Interesting, but not quite good enough. We'll circle back to the Commanders. Um, do the Fal- I think the Falcons need to stay because the NFC South. Like, do you know that the Panthers technically can, by the math, can still host a playoff game? Oh, because they can still win the division. That's, That's how, how bad, bad the yeah. NFC South is. Yeah, we're not moving Carolina up, but I think the rest of the NFC South has to stay. Yeah, Falcons, Tampa, New Orleans, and New Orleans. Okay. I hate all of them. Yeah. It's three of the most frustrating teams in the league. I think where they are is perfect. But they should stay. Yeah. Seattle, I think, should stay. And if Geno can get healthy and turn it around, they have the potential to go up. Mm-hmm. The Chargers... 
I, they should be better. I don't know what to say at this point. Brandon Staley. Yeah. Count your days. I thought he was going to be good. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, I read I read such a good piece on him when he got hired, and I was like, this dude is so smart. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, <laughs> Jets. Do the Jets need to go down? Yeah, the Jets need to go down, man. Okay, good. I No chance, man. No chance. Okay, uh, you got Indy. They're, they're they, fine. They can stay. Minnesota. Ooh, that was a rough one last week. I think, I think they need to stay for one more week and mm-hmm. see if we, you know, does their quarterback situation straighten itself out a little bit? Do they look more competent? And you get J.J. back into and it. And you get so. J.J. So, oh, they have a bye, so they'll stay. Yep. Bengals, we already said. Browns, we already said. Broncos, we've already talked about. Which means it is time some take the Washington Commanders. Oh, we got to talk about the command. Oh, we don't have to really talk about it because we already know what it is. And move them down to no chance. No chance in hell. They are done. I can't. I can't come on take command. I can't come on this show and say the season is over and then put them in the interesting but not quite good enough category. They were there for a long time. They should have had wins over the Giants and some other teams that they just didn't execute. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. The end of the day, they are what they are. They're four and eight. They're two and eight in their last ten. They have no chance. And such we put them in no chance. Quick question, Greg. Yeah. So Ron Rivera supposedly, allegedly, does well in the month of December. What happens if Ron goes out here? And wins four straight games. If they win four straight, then they will get back up in interesting but not no! quite good enough. They will cost themselves draft position, and everyone's going to be mad. Yes. I was just curious. I was the, just curious. the one other team that I think we need to talk about, because Carolina, yep. Arizona, yep. Giant, I mean, the Giants, they won two in a row, but it's against us in New England. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, still no chance. Vegas, like, they're a, they're a plucky no chance, but I still think a no chance. Do we need to move the Rams back up into interesting? Now that Kyron Williams is back, he just changes the entire offense. Well, he, you got him and you got Stafford. I'm I'm putting the Rams up. Okay. Now, if they go out and lose to the Commanders in a couple of weeks, then right back down you go. Yeah, that would But be that bad. leaves no chance. It's Carolina, Arizona, uh, both New York teams, New England, Tennessee, Vegas, and Washington. So this is the lottery. Okay. This is who we're competing with. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In a race to the bottom. Nice. What a setup for James Smith-Williams. We're not going to tell him we said any of that. Uh, James has got an amazing charity event coming up that he wants you to participate in on Monday. He will tell us about that, and we'll, of course, ask him about the football and how he's feeling as well with that hamstring. Next, James Smith-Williams joins us on the Hoffman Show, Team 980, and always live on the free Odyssey app.